Hello, everyone. Welcome to season two of the Becoming Unassailable podcast. My name is Mark Kenny, and this podcast is all about helping leaders build highly functional, collaborative, and aligned teams. Because when your team is functional, collaborative, and aligned, the entire organization becomes unassailable. I am excited about this episode. My guest is Singer Buchanan. Singer is the executive director of the Office of Equal Employment Opportunity and Contract Compliance in the state of Kentucky. And Singer puts on a masterclass in this episode on how to bring someone on board the team, make them feel valued, make them a part of the team. And what's interesting is he does this in an environment where there isn't full control over who is actually hired onto the team because it's a merit system. So you are going to enjoy the wisdom and insights that Singer shares from his own experience. A couple of announcements before we get to the interview. First, I have a gift for listening to this podcast. It's a few free chapters of my book. So you can go to the website, markskenny.com slash gift to receive that. And second, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get to the conversation. Singer, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being my guest today. Good morning, Mark. How are you doing today? I am doing really well. I'm doing really well. I've been looking forward to talking with you. Um, I've also been looking forward to talking with you, sir. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> well, that's a good start. Um, let me start off with this question. What, you know, you've been building teams, leading teams for a while now. What's been one of the biggest factors in your success in building a team? I think the main thing is you have to understand what is the mission? You know, what, what, who is your benefactor? Who is the one that's requiring you to build a team? And then find out from there what direction um, they actually ultimately want to end at. Because you have to start with the end in mind. Uh, from there, you need to find people who have talents that you don't possess. I mean, that's just the best way to look at it. Uh, you can't be at all. Don't try to be a subject matter expert on all areas. You need help. And that's the first thing you need to do is admit that. And then once you actually start assembling the team, you know, you need to communicate effectively. You need to set expectations, make clear what, what the purpose is, go back to what the benefactor or the business owner or the company, or for me, it's state government, you know, what are we charged to do? And then you make it clear and then you work with them coaching. Uh, you must have feedback throughout the process. Uh, and one of the things that I enjoy doing is actually getting to know the individuals, let them know who they are. Uh, I used to have a, a previous job. I was a state EEO coordinator, which stands for Equal Employment Opportunity. But I always told people, you take my title, but you change it to encouraging everyone's opportunity. And if you're going to do that, you're going to get the best out of everyone because they see that you care about them as a human being, not just a work widget, but who are they holistically? You know, what makes them tick? And if you're doing that and encouraging them, chances are they're going to buy in and they're going to believe in you because I know when I see someone's committed towards me, I'll go the extra mile. Even in the military, I mean, I could tell you some stories about having leaders that actually, you know, did things for me that I still remember. And I try to use those same skill sets to help people that I'm with now. Walk me through. So that makes a lot of sense, Singer. Walk me through, like, what, what are a couple of the tactics? Like if someone's listening and they say, yeah, I get it. I need to go build with these relationships and people to feel important. How do I do that? Like, how do I actually... What are some tactics you've used so to actually have those kind of build those kind of relationships? Well, um, over the years, I've had 
many different opportunities to do things of that nature. Uh, some of them have actually started off uh, negatively. Uh, I started my career working for United Parcel Service, and I was a union steward. Uh, had an encounter with a person uh, of a different background, uh, and we did the introduction. And he really did not want to shake my hand. I could just, I could sense it, you know, body language and everything. Um, but I'm still going ahead and do my spiel. A little bit later, uh, he got into some disciplinary issues, and I had to represent him as the union steward. And regardless of how I felt he may have perceived me. I went in there and represented him the best I could and ended up uh, actually saving him because they were going to take action and it was inconsistent with what they had done with other people who were similarly situated. I brought this to the company's attention <laughs> and they quickly said, oh, we need to back off. Let's just give a warning, a verbal warning. After that, the relationship with this young man was amazing. I would walk in the huge hub. It's like almost like a hangar. That's what the buildings look like with belts running around boxes. The trucks are inside. You know, he's yelling across the, the building. Hey, Singer, how you doing? And from then on, you know, we had a better relationship and he was able to help me bridge relationships with other people that were similar to him. He was able to tell the story that no, no, it's not what we were, we were told. This is real. So a lot of times it's, it's walking the talk, you know, it's doing the job and letting people see that you are committed to them. Uh, and you're going to do it right. And that's what it really comes down to. You know, who are you accountable to? Am I accountable to these people or am I accountable to what I think is my maker? And I always default to that. That is more important for me to make my maker happy than it is for me to make the community happy because that's my guiding principle. So I'm hearing a couple of things. One, I'm hearing like there's something that's driving you, making, you know, focusing on your maker, as as you said, that so it's not like making people happy or or trying to look good in 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 um in the eyes of other people but like there's a fundamental thing that's driving you that's that in these interactions and then the other thing i'm hearing is it's not really all that complicated it's treating people really well like actually caring for people and even though they may wrong you like giving them grace and even forgiveness and treating them well and respectfully and building that trust over time in other words it's not necessarily some complicated tactic it's just treating people well can i can i put it that way yes uh, i think that's a good way of putting it show the respect that every human deserves uh people go through hard times uh and they sometimes take this out on other people based upon identity you know not really knowing the people but putting them in a group and taking out some type of uh, anger or resentment uh but when people in that group you know are resilient and look back and say you know it's just the way you would want to be treated you know, would you want someone in your family to experience this? And that's one of the things I really try to do is uh, get people to be empathetic, you know, to take them out of self and say, if you were in this situation, what would your decision be? And you can you can tell a lot about a person's character. And it comes to a certain point. If you see this person is not going to buy into this. Well, sometimes you have to, as we say, cut bait and move on. Now, let me ask you, there's a, a couple nuanced situations. We talked about this a little bit before we got before we started recording. One is um, the Commonwealth of Kentucky, as, as you said, has a merit system. So you don't necessarily have, if as I understand it, full control over who is on the team because you're doing like team-based interviewing and so forth. So with that, how, how do you build the team when you don't necessarily always have 100% control over who is actually on your team? Well, that's when you have to really develop them. Uh, of course, everyone is hired based upon merit, um, the merit system. In other words, they are the best qualified according to 
the process. We should look at training and experience, skill set, education, any type of discipline or conduct issues. Uh, and then we do the interview, a panel interview. Uh, so whoever comes out on top is going to be probably selected. Of course, the appointing authority has the final call. You know, they have to sign off on it. But generally, they do take the re recommendations of the committees. So you get this new person on board. The first thing you need to do is start a relationship. From the beginning, they need to know who you are and know that you're you're their you're their supporter. I'm their coach. You know, I'm the one that's going to be here to help you get through. These are your co-workers. Here's their role. Then we need to set expectations. You know, we need to provide appropriate training so they're prepared for the job. You know, you can't just throw someone in there expecting them to know it automatically because even though you may have the same job title in state government, the work you do in one agency to another can really vary. You know, uh, and a lot of times we do get people from other agencies, you know, they're looking for promotional opportunities. Uh, so once we get them on board, we kind of have to let them see what the culture is, because every organization has its own culture, as I'm sure you're aware. Mm -hmm. uh, we most recently, I just changed from the personnel cabinet to the finance and administration cabinet. And even though we're across the street from each other, the cultures are totally different. Uh, the personnel cabinet was more of a... Uh, how to put it, we're a service organization. Uh, they were always trying to support the other cabinets and things of that nature, whereas finance is its own entity. You know, we deal with um, facilities, all the buildings. We deal with uh, procurement. We do all that. Uh, we also do a lot of other things. You know, the revenue, Department of Revenue is in their agency. So we're very diverse. So you have to learn this culture here. It's a much bigger agency. Uh, but I will say one thing in common is both of these agencies are led by really good cabinet secretaries. Uh, these are two females that have both moved up the system of state government. They started off as regular employees and through promotion, uh, they have risen to the top of their organizations. And the real thing is they never forgot where they came from. They know what it feels like to be an entry level state employee. So they're both out there trying to make sure that we're looking out for people, bringing them on board and trying to have a positive culture. Now, one of the things I think I mentioned earlier before we got started, uh, one of the tools I like to use with new employees is to pull out the organizational chart, you know, mm -hmm. and we'll show them, you know, how this works. And in most cases, uh, like for, put this way, in my position, employee that works for me, I report to a cabinet secretary. The cabinet secretary reports to the executive secretary that's over all of them who reports to the governor. That's three steps. So you're telling me something. See how quickly if it has value. And we actually do a service disabled veteran uh, certification program here. And the young lady that does that, when she speaks up about it, you know, I'm able to talk to the my boss and the cabinet secretary and them. And they're able to um, tell the governor. And this is one of the governor's pet projects. So. She's actually giving relevant information that's going to be of interest to him. And I point that out. So you have just laid out like just what it looks like to bring someone on the team and make them feel part of the team, make them feel valued, make them feel important. aligned. So they're yes. clear, important. They know how their work matters. So masterclass right there in, in, uh, in three minutes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me ask you another question. What, what are, what's an example of something that maybe you would have done differently, like a learning experience where you said, I, I was building this team and it just didn't quite work out the way I wanted to. And I would have done this a little differently that somebody else might be able to learn from. Sometimes you have to have the ability to let people know that they're talented. You have to be able to show them that they have leadership within them. A lot of people are content where they are, but I may see, oh, this person has vast potential. 
you know, their communication style, everyone gets along with them. They tend to have ideas that are sound. We have to let them know this. So the mistake that I think I've made is not doing that enough, not encouraging people to stretch their boundaries, to go for it, you know, take that next step in leadership, you know, take this workshop, be a trainer, get in front of a group of people and talk about what you know. I mean, to me, that's the best way to develop people. I've only been on this job a couple of months and both of my uh, current co-workers uh, are already doing training with me. You know, we're getting out in front of people. I'm put, making them part of the team. Their name is on the presentation, just like mine in the uh, leadership. We're giving them ownership and we're giving them opportunity to do something that majority of people are afraid to do, which is speak in public. And now mm -hmm. they're, overcome, they're overcoming this because through practice, they realize I am the subject matter expert and I should be able to articulate what we're doing to other people to get the message across. And they're doing it successfully. And then we applaud that. We celebrate small victories. Got it. Um, now, I said a little bit ago that there was a couple nuances I wanted to ask you about. One was the merit system. The other is you're involved in IPMA Kentucky, which is a professional association, which I think now is PSHRA. Um, in fact, that's how we met. Um, yes. so, so so in that case, you're, you're recruiting and building a team of volunteers. Is there anything different or any nuances there? Or is it a lot of the same things, clarity and building relationships, making people important? Uh, for me, this is when it gets intentional because I can see we have over 150 members and I'm able to just see who is dynamic, who's the future. And in those kind of situations, you get on the phone, you talk to them, hey, we got an opportunity, elections are coming up. I think you'd be great in this position. I'll still be there with you to help carry you through. We have other people that are gonna be around. That's the kind of message I would always give when I had the opportunity to do that. And I guess I must've done it good enough because now they make me over the nominations committee. <laughs> I'm out there trying to find people, you uh -huh. know, and, but it's, it's, it works. Um, so the last three years has been tough for a lot of teams and leaders because a lot of folks have gone remote or hybrid or, you know, a lot of things have changed. Are, are there any, uh, how has that affected you and your ability to build a team? Are there any lessons from that that you've had to learn with with kind of things changing just how work is done and how the where the team is well i guess i'll try a little humor the first thing is you're muted <laughs> that was what we heard a lot when we started going remote and <laughs> i got it right yeah people forgot to turn the microphone on i thought you were saying i was muted right here and i'm like no, I mute myself no. <laughs> that's the joke that we always went through yeah uh, uh -huh. mm -hmm. but um what i learned about it the best was we can now get statewide at the same seat at the same time talking before unless it was a conference where you brought people in from the field we have 120 counties and a lot of our business is out there in the state not everything is in central office we would only focus on central office people now now that we're able to get people on these meetings such as zoom or teams they can be all over the state at the same time and we're talking at the same time getting information sharing it not having the silos everyone's involved we're doing a uh, diversity uh, teams now in many agencies. And I'm seeing people from all over the state uh, talking about the subject and their regional issues, you know, because things are different. You have like four different states in Kentucky, they say, you know, you have Eastern, Western, uh, Northern, and then Louisville, Lexington, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a different place, but we're all one Commonwealth and having the ability to sit down with everyone and get all the information at one time to make sure we're meeting all the needs, listening to everyone's voice, gives us an opportunity to have a better product, in my opinion, as well as build stronger teams, because these people out in the fields, 
we get to know them. And guess what? An opportunity may come open where that person is the kind of person we need to maybe see if they're interested in moving to Frankfurt, you know, where the more opportunity is for leadership. So I think it's just been a good for talent search. It's good for communications. It's good for relationships. Uh, I've enjoyed it. Now, most of the time I still come in the office uh, just because I'm, you know, I'm an old school kind of guy. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm better working here, uh, mm -hmm. more traditionalist, but I also let my employees work from home. You know, so it gives them the freedom. We have to, someone has to be here every day. That's just part of the good government, you know, to make sure that there's someone actually in the office. Uh, so I don't mind being that person majority of the time. It gives my employees more time to do what they enjoy doing. And a lot of their work is technical. They can do it at home. So this has been a good opportunity for us to think out the box, work differently, and look for the benefits that I just mentioned. I like that singer. So on one hand, you may look at it as, oh man, this is really hard. This, what a challenge this is. Everything's different, but you're looking at it as, hey, this is an opportunity to connect with people more, get more people involved and engaged and feeling important. And I guess it's your outlook. How, how you look at it is going to change how successful you are at it in yes. some ways. So I, I mm -hmm. like that. Um, is there a piece of advice that that was really good that you heard from somebody at some point on the topic of just building a, a good team? Um, walk the talk, literally. I mean, I know it's a cliche, but if you're committed to doing this, people need to see it. We all have a 25% blind spot. Okay. Uh, you need to know your blind spot. You need to listen to other people. When they give you feedback, don't necessarily take it personal and get angry, but listen and learn, you know, uh, life's too short to be not aware of yourself, you know? So my thing is give me all the feedback you can, and I'll do what I can to try to make improvements. Um, uh, but the main focus, I think, is always be true to yourself, be true to your values, and support people and give them a chance. I, I didn't. I didn't say I was going to ask this question, but but I really want to. So you have all these experiences at state, uh, in volunteer organizations, in the military, and probably elsewhere. But is there a good story that you have of, of maybe uh, on a team that just didn't, that you learned what not to do or what to do that, that just comes to mind that, that um, you're like, that, that really was a uh, informative or it's just something I remember and on what to do or what not to do, just something that you have experienced. Well, over the years, when you work in a political environment, uh, there are times when people come into government who have no experience and they are doing it what they think it's best for them, but it really clashes with the style that we have. Uh, and these disruptions can happen every four to eight years. <laughs> so you'll have a group of people that are used to doing things, then another group, which are, they're our boss, they're elected. Okay. They're, I mean, truly elected. The governor has the opportunity to appoint who he or she wants to in leadership positions. Um, but there's one particular incident where the person they assigned to me uh, to be my uh, supervisor started plagiarizing my work. Uh, I was doing white papers on certain topics uh, related to human resources. And uh, next thing I know, I was someone asked me, they handed something and said, is this your work? They said, this looks like your handwriting, but someone else put their name on it. And that's when I realized I was working in an environment where I, I didn't feel trust. Mm -hmm. And that's when I used some resources and networked with some people I've worked with previously and found another opportunity in state government. Uh, as the administration changed, things cleared up. I had an opportunity to come back to my previous position uh, where I stood there for at the least 15 more years. So it did work out, but there was a time where it just wasn't going to be a healthy relationship at work. And I mm -hmm. had to make that change. 
Mm-hmm. And if I can circle that back to what you were talking about earlier, I, I'm imagining that that really reinforced your passion for building healthy relationships where people yes. feel important. And, and that kind of seems to be our theme here, which, which, which I love because it's not that complicated. It's like just building really healthy relationships, people feeling valued and having conversations with people. Love and it. allow, it allow people to have different opinions. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they've got to have the trust you enough to, to feel like they can offer that opinion. Yes. And that, once again, that takes time. Well, great conversation. Thank you, Singer, for just taking a few minutes and, uh, and, um, and just talking with us a little bit. Congrats on the new, on the new position. And so appreciate you just sharing some of your wisdom with us. Thank you so much for being on the show. Well, like I said, it's a pleasure meeting you a few months ago. And when you uh, asked me for this opportunity, I jumped right at it because I think you're doing good work. Thank you very much. Great talking to you. All right. Have a good day. You too. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. Mark here. You know, there's some of you that are listening who may want to go deeper and have a conversation about strategies for your own team and organization. Well, go to markskenny.com slash call and schedule a 30-minute complimentary strategy session with me. We'll talk about some strategies for your team and organization, whether or not we each decide there's a next step or not. And please remember to subscribe, and share this podcast with someone else so we can get the word out about building healthy, functional, collaborative, and aligned teams. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next time.